This episode of the Oh No 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 podcast is sponsored by Dynamic Industrial Services, the rope access specialists. As long-time Wraith Rover supporters, we are very familiar with ropey performances. But if you need a service that's more Sam Stanton than Willie Accio, look no further than DIS. Operating across Scotland, they specialise in working at height, offering maintenance, inspection, repairs and more. So if you've got a problem at a height that even John Fredrickson can't reach, visit dynamicindustrialservices.co.uk to find out more. more things change, the more they stay the same. For the third time in five years, the Rover Scottish Cup campaign came to an end with a narrow defeat at Almond Vale. Jack Hamilton gave the Rovers the lead with an, e- an excellent early strike, but familiar fragilities reared their head as the Rovers failed to take their chances and were punished at the other end. Welcome back to the Oh No 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 podcast. Uh, I am Duncan Cameron and joining me to talk through a frustrating afternoon in what I think is descending order of proximity to Starks Park, we have uh, Carol Allison Smith. First of all, how are you, Carol? Hola, I'm I'm fine. Uh, getting used to defeat, which is not something I want to get used to, but hey ho. Yeah, it's rubbish. Eh? Uh, we've also got uh, Scott Fleming. How are you, Scott? I'm doing all right. All things considered, after yesterday. <laughs> uh, Graham Meldrum's here too. How are you, Graham? Frustrated after yesterday. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, Blair Hopcroft's here too. How are you, Blair? I'm buzzing. No, I'm not. I'm really frustrated. <laughs> really frustrated. <laughs> yeah, and I think... Right, let's let's stick to that. Let's do things just a wee bit differently. So normally we dive straight in a starting lineups, and there is, to be fair, a lot to talk yeah. about on that front. But I want to just stick to the, the kind of overriding mood um first of all and, and i tell you what Blair, let's let's stick with you so expand on that a little bit then so frustration the the kind of main emotion for you yeah um <clears throat> frustration and a bit of disappointment i think would be the two words that i would i would use and and i weirdly mean that in a slightly positive sense because we deserved so much more out of yesterday so so much better than what we got um I thought the performance was, and I know I've, I've seen some of the stuff on social media and stuff. Some people will disagree. I thought the performance was pretty decent. Um, I thought that the team selection was good. I thought the tactics were right. Um, I thought they set up well. I, I genuinely thought we got a lot right yesterday, but we just didn't take our chances and we got punished at the other end. They took two, two out of the three, four chances that they got. Um, and, and we had that many chances in the first three minutes. Um, so, yeah, just a really frustrating afternoon because it, it it's, you know, we'll come away for games, and I've been doing this a long time, you come away for games and you go, we were rotten today. Like, we got what we deserved. And although I wasn't at the Queen's Park game, there was an element of that in the way that I felt about watching it online. Like, we just didn't, didn't quite deserve 
better than what we got because we were, although we created chances, we didn't play particularly well. You know, kind of did it to ourselves. And I think that's a recurring theme we're getting as well as it felt so self-inflicted yesterday. Yeah, the, the, the phrase that comes to mind for me is it's a, a kind of a missed opportunity as much yeah. as anything. Felt like, uh, again, we'll, we'll all have seen these ties where you go away to a side in the division above and they just kind of shut you down and they keep you at arm's length and um, you don't really get a sniff and you maybe get beat 1-0 or 2 nothing, and you come away a bit like, oh, well, that's that's what happens when you, you play a team from the division above. Yesterday didn't feel like that at all. It felt very much like we took the game to them and we had the chances and we had more chances in that game yesterday than we've had against most teams in our own division recently. And it's frustrating, as we've, I think we've all said already, to kind of come away with, with, a, with a defeat there. Um, Graham, is it kind of same for you? Yeah, the, the, the last time I saw the team was Dunfermo. Yeah. So I think that performance yesterday compared to Dunfermo was miles apart. I, I thought we totally controlled that game yesterday. I thought Livingston's back three was in trouble for the, the first ball that was played across to them. And I think they were in trouble probably until um, they made the substitution. I thought, I think the guys at Livingston that was at back, Nottingham. I'm getting my, my places mixed up. So not, the guy not on him at the back, I thought he was horrendous. I thought he was just a liability. Uh, first 25. Maybe just before Livingston. When Livingston made that sub, I thought they changed their shape a wee bit. But up until then, I thought we played a lot better football. I thought we set up well. Were they playing the one-up? I thought Josh Marlin stopped these runs from the middle of the park. Unopposed. Um, where we seemed to leak goals. So I thought we set up well. Um, played well. Controlled the game. Well, we're the better team. The fact that we had so many good performances and we played as well, to come away from that, getting beat, is just astonishing. Absolutely yeah. astonishing. But we all know goals win games. This is it. And I think over the course of this um, recording, I'm going to say lots of the things that people always say when they get beat. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm going to sound really bitter. I'm a little bit bitter, to be honest with you. But just but they're all true. Uh, the cliches like um, like only one team trying to play football, mm -hmm. I think fundamentally applies to that game yesterday. And I, I think there are others too. Uh, I, I think, um, I, and, and obviously we'll, we'll go through the full game and everything, but at halftime yesterday, Blair, you referred to Livingston as Big Yellow Martin. Yep. And it was, stand by it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a perfect... Um, Description, but almost like, and again, I realise I'm saying this after they beat us, but it's like big yellow Morton, but not actually quite as good at doing it mm -hmm. as Morton are. It didn't feel Morton. It feels very deliberate, whereas um, it, it looks like David Martindale's just assembled like a load of guys who auditioned for but didn't get the latest Gladiators reboot. <laughs> just like the the biggest folk who are still available on Saturdays, like See, that. They, Michael Nottingham was, in particular. Yeah, the way I described it when we were at the game, it was like if you're playing football manager and you go into searching for players, and instead of filtering by price or availability, it's like he's filtered by height and he's just went for the top <laughs> ten. It's like every single one of them was massive, mm -hmm. and I, I would say they're not as good at it as Morton. Uh, angle, I think is probably fair in the second half 
Um, but I think the lad Guthrie that was up front, um, for me, he was probably the only one that I thought, by the way, he's all right, big lad, decent feet. Um, he, he, he gave Scott Brown a tour of time. Like, Scott couldn't get anywhere near him for headers. Dick beat him a couple of times in the air, which was good. And then Hamilton eventually beat him in the air and beat him to a pulp. Um, and he, he ended up going off. Um, and at that point, I thought, right, we're okay now. I think we're okay, but but we're not. Yeah, let's let's kind of move into the the setup and the the decisions that Ian Murray made because again, without uh, I think we have to assume that Ian Murray wasn't fit enough to play in that game. Um, Keith Watson the same. So Ian Murray's got some decisions to make going into that game with his defence, um, given. The opposition. I mean, listen, it's 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 bold anyway under any circumstance to not field any natural centre halves. It's particularly bold to do it in the cup against a team from the division above, and it's exceedingly bold to do it when it's Livingston, whose one big thing is that that they're just going to rock up with a, a load of guys who are all six foot plus, who are going to you know try and batter you in the air. So, um, Scott, I'll come to you on that. With the benefit of hindsight, have you got any issues with that that starting lineup and and the way it was set up? That's a big nod. I think I've got quite a few issues with that, but and the first one just being, I totally agree that I I just was I couldn't understand how you go to Livy. It's the same if you went to Morton, to be honest and not play one recognised centre-half that's over six foot. I just I just don't see how you're expecting to... I will probably play better football than them. Yeah, we did that yesterday, but at the same time, if they drag you into their game, you need to be prepared for that. I don't think we were prepared for if Livy drag us to their level of, we'll just put balls in your box and we'll just play for set pieces, which they kind of did for a lot of the game, and that's what I expected. So I think most of the fans probably would have thought the same that it was going to be the case. So I just thought it was a bit bizarre to when you've got, I know we had what two recognized on the bench, one that was probably fully fit. The other one, not so much. I, and I, I thought Dylan Corr was actually all right last week. I didn't think he played poorly. And if he's fully fit, the only thing that I can start to think is that he must not trust him yet. Why, why you've got fully fit, centre-back who plays that position but you're happy to go and put somebody like Ross Millen who I'm sorry, he seems to actually be scared of heading the ball at times but he, he, at times he actually looks cool when he takes it down on his chest but at the same time I just think he he just looks like he doesn't want to head the ball if you're playing centre-half you can't be doing that you have to be ready to almost clear your lines at whatever cause which is something like uh, Ewan Murray does but no, I think that was my only issue with it yesterday was in terms of that there was no recognised centre-half away to live it. Yeah, I actually thought they did surprisingly well, that defence, because I, I thought the same thing before kick-off. Uh, we could be in real baller here. Like, this is this is not the the place for this strategy. You know, all things being equal. Um, I think we almost got a little bit of good fortune in as much as Guthrie went off injured, you know, um, just before half time, Joel Nubley would have been another one who would be 
you know, another big unit who would be looking to kind of ragdoll some, um, you know, part-time centre-halves. And he was left out because they're selling him. They've signed a guy who's six foot five, big kind of John Fredrickson vibes. I don't know why he didn't play, but again, could have potentially caused us some issues. actually, But, you know, with that all in mind, I thought they, they over the piece in the first half particularly, they handled it relatively well or, or better than I would have thought. But um, yes, certainly more bold decisions from our very bold manager. Um, I think people saying the kind of three six one for me. That I mean, it's it's semantics really, but it's more of a three five two. I think you've got Vaughan and, and Hamilton very much operating as a a strike kind of duo now. Um, unlike when we we'd done it previously, when it was kind of Hamilton on his own. Um, Carol, in terms of the in fact, you you can have the goal as well. So yeah, give us your thoughts on the uh, going into the game, the lineup. And then sort of the opening few minutes. Uh, going into the game, quietly confident. Lineup comes out on Wraith TV, our friend TX Rover. We were both like asking, is it a three? Is it a four? It was coming out and they were lining up at a four. They were coming out and lining up as a three. And I was like, oh, I like the theatrics. I like it. But then you see the lineup, you go, where's the centre back? Are we going to go full Murray Ball? Are we going two from the front? After him denying that he does Murray Ball and you never do two. <laughs> I mean, two at the front. I mean, two at the back. I was like, is he definitely? Is he going to start with two at the back? But no, I've got it here is confirmed as three five two. So, okay. Um, first couple of minutes, amazing. So many shots. So it build up play was fantastic. Uh, I think the build up play to the goal and the, what I've scribbled down and I've scribbled it down in Spanish and I'm going to say it in a Spanish accent was phenomenal. I thought the build up phenomenal. Um. Hamilton's goal, especially with this sort of he's not quite been there the last couple of weeks. I thought bringing it down and the strike was great. After that, I'll leave it up to someone else. So it was very to to go back to the the lineup because we obviously we talked about where the uh, potential and evident kind of deficiencies are in that. Probably is though <laughs> with the players we've got available. It's getting the most out of the attacking players. I mean, it absolutely does do that. And uh, you saw that in the first five minutes. And Graham, you said that um, Livingston ended up, it was kind of an enforced change. They started with a back three and then they had to go to the four. Their back three had no idea what they were doing in that opening period. They could not track anything. Even before they made the substitution, they swapped around the order in which they were strung across that back line. Michael Devlin just looked confused. As much as anything, um, uh, I was sitting next to my mate and he was saying it's like one of these guys who at this point in his career, like 60% of his um, contribution is just pointing <laughs> at this point. He's not actually doing anything. He's just shouting at other people. And it looked every bit of that in the, in the first half. When they did kind of they change to the four, I thought they got a little bit more of a, a kind of foothold in the game. But yeah, in that early period... You know, there's a couple of good chances before the goal, and the goal's only five minutes in. And the um, the technique to bring that down on his chest, and kind of takes it away from the defender, but keeps it under control, is excellent. And it's a good kind of, although the finish is at the goalkeeper, um, he does more than enough to kind of get it past him. At that point, Blair, you full of confidence, happy with everything? Um. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I think when they went to four at the back, I was probably a little less confident because they they started to stop us doing what had worked really well. So the first five minutes, um, I, I love the description of the goal on the Livingston Twitter was a long ball to Jack Hamilton. I genuinely didn't feel it was. It wasn't long ball football. We'd we'd recognise the fact that they were playing with quite a high line, playing with a back three, with three boys who looked like they'd met twenty minutes before. They genuinely, there was no cohesion at all in that back three. Um, I mean, you're talking about Devlin Point, but he's literally pointing at where the boy should be standing from a throw-in. Like, it was embarrassing to watch. And it was this thing of, they were playing quite high, and it, it was almost like we recognised we could just clip the ball over the top and get in behind them. So Vaughn got in um, a couple of times, actually, in the first couple of minutes. Um, and it was really unlucky, actually, not to score. He had a really, really good effort and a decent save from the keeper at point-blank range. Um, but it's one that Vaughn will definitely want back again. Um, and, and I'm thinking, at that point, like I say, we score, and I'm thinking, here we go. Like, this is going to be it's going to be a good day. The, the injury happens. They force the change, and they go to a back four, and they just stop playing so high. They play that little bit deeper. And what ends up happening is those balls that we're trying to get in behind, they're coming out and they're headering. And, I mean, their average height was six foot three, six foot four, probably. They were massive. I thought Jack Hamilton was big, but when you see him standing next to these guys, like, they were huge. So they dealt with that all day, and they will deal with that all day. So that kind of plan A almost went out the window a little bit after about half an hour. Um, and I don't feel we ever really got plan B going, because at that point, it was the only period of the game where Livingston played football. Um, they actually kept the ball for a good six or seven minutes in that kind of period just between the substitution and the penalty. In that kind of period of time, they kept the ball really well. But it was it was like watching McGlynn's first, or when he first came back for his second spell, where we kept the ball a lot and we held possession a lot. But we never did anything with it. It just went back and forth and back and forth. There was no penetration. With the five in midfield, we were quite deep, sitting in behind, and we looked comfortable. We were vulnerable to the balls into the box. But what ended up happening is Guthrie kept dropping deeper and deeper and deeper to win those headers, which was suiting us to the ground. And then there's the... I mean, I don't know if you want me just to keep going, but that penalty keep going. was probably the most frustrated I was all day yesterday. So they play the ball really well. They get the ball into our left channel. Callum Smith comes in and actually puts in a great tackle. Not even like a, a tackle. He just dispossesses the boy. Puts his foot in the ball, takes the ball off him, rolls it to Kyle Turner, who for some reason thought he had five or six minutes time to play about with the ball, gets the ball nicked off him and then collapses on top of him for a penalty. And you're going out of nothing. They, they had not created a thing at that point. And that, for me, was the turning point in the whole game. It was like they went, oh, OK, we can do this. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those, like, first half an hour, I thought, I genuinely thought we were really good, really, really good. Um, and then after that, it just started to spiral a wee bit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the the other sort of unintended consequence of that change when they go to the back four, as you say, they drop that little bit deeper. But also means they then got an extra man in the midfield as well. So when yeah. they are heading it out, suddenly the midfield became competitive, which it wasn't in yeah. the the early period. And then um it's so it's so un Kyle Turner like 
that concession, that penalty, he seems like one of these guys who just doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. And it's, yeah. it's again, like he's he's coming in. It's an unfamiliar team. It's an unfamiliar <laughs> setup because, um, and he's ring rusty as well. He's not played a lot of football. Exactly, and it, it's just one of these where he's not thinking about it, and then before he's even got a chance to recognise he's made the first mistake, he makes the second one by just holding on. And I mean, I don't think he's got any idea whether he's inside the box or not at that point. No, he's he's not. It's not he's deliberately fouling the guy. He's just grabbing at him and he it's a stonewall penalty it's absolutely a stonewall absolutely. penalty and it really did came out of nowhere and I think you're right in terms of even mentality wise I think Livingston were like oh actually maybe we're not going to get embarrassed today maybe this isn't going to be an absolute nightmare we, we are still in this but then um, Graham I don't know how, how good a view you got at live of that penalty from, I was quite far down the other end and I wasn't quite sure what happened but when that ball eventually does kind of come fleeing back out again did you think we'd um we'd kind of gotten away with one we might be able to get back to the sort of control we'd had previously i think that that kind of epitomized turner during that kind of spell i, I don't know if the guys he was playing against were winding him up or what but there was obviously the forearms mashing he's squaring he's cooking as well um, and yeah. there was a couple of times he was caught on the ball which isn't like kyle turner it's not the kyle turner we know so i don't know if there was Winding up or whatever going on in the middle of the park. So that, that was strange. Um, penalty was a stonewaller. What actually happened at the penalty, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I was up at the other end where, where we, we scored the first goal. I, and by the way, I hate standing side on a football ground. Mm -hmm. It is crap. It's about atmosphere of football for me. Yeah, you get the atmosphere behind the goal. Right? I get that Livingston want you down the side. Get us behind a goal, get us a wee bit of the side. You want a goal, you want a goal in front of where you're standing. At the side, it's pish. I think that's yeah. a I think that's a conditioning thing. I think that's just what you're used to. Because you hear lots of other opposition fans complaining about the fact that at starts you can't get a view for the halfway line. I think it's the only ground in the country where you can't actually watch a game from the halfway line no matter what you want. But, I've, I've, um, I'm entirely I've, with you. I'm much I've rather been in the away end at Starts Park, right? Um, my nephew came up, air wraith, he went to sit there with his pal, so we sat in the way. You get a great view for the way end. You probably I'd, get a great view I'd, for the way end than you do the home end. I would always Fact. much rather be behind the goal. But um, yeah. uh, Sorry, I, I interrupted you there. Um, yeah, no, no, sorry. Um, in terms of penalty, I take it you've you've just decided not to not to go back to the highlights, which is, that's, I was putting it off. I was watching the highlights immediately I, before we came on. I actually looked as though it hit the pole behind the goals. So that was what we thought that as well. Then, then I turned and Kev's mum and dad are there with a the big Polish flag. So I'm like, so you actually saved that? What's actually happened? But the ball didn't go in. So at that point, my interest was away. They didn't score. Happy days. Let's move on. So, well, it comes off the post and then kind of comes off Kev's back as he's shoulder gone blade kind of save. diving past save. it. Yeah. I think it's one that 70% of the time that that happens, the ball ends up in the back mm -hmm. of the net. It does, comes man. off the post off the goalie in the back end but um, listen he's kept it you've got credit to the goalkeeper for that and uh, yes yeah, so, it's so kind of going on from that then so I mean roughly when was that in the game actually the missed penalty Is it 20 minutes in it's early so than I thought there, it was yeah, yeah 20 yeah um, so from there through to half time 
Um, or sorry, not from, from there through until half time. From there through until the goal, but kind of ten minutes later, it did felt to me like it was a bit more of a a competition. You know, I think the Rovers had been very much on top until the penalty. It did sort of even out a bit. Not necessarily that Livingston were creating chances, but it, it was much more of a, a kind of midfield battle. Um, Scott, how did you feel about that kind of middle period? And then, um, yeah, take us into the take us into the, the equaliser as well, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree totally with Graham with the whole Kyle Turner thing. It just, yesterday, it just wasn't working for him. I don't know what was wrong, if he was still kind of carrying maybe that sort of knock that we had heard about midweek, but he of was course, yeah. just a bit slow and it like, because we've seen it last week in the first half, especially against Queen's Park, he was zipping the ball about and we're going, oh, we've no seen somebody like, like Connolly had to fully get behind the ball to just stop the ball and I was like, this is a boy that's confident and he's passing and he's range of just seeing the game and then yesterday almost looked like a completely different player, it was just somebody that was wanting so long on the ball and that's how he got caught for the, the penalty, but I and and the goal as well. I just it actually summed up the whole formation problem that I had at the start of the game, which is we've only got two proper defenders there. They're both fullbacks, but they've been asked to play narrow, so they've not been asked to go and look at the sort of fullbacks coming in or the wingers coming in at the back post, which you've asked somebody like Callum Smith or Josh Mullen to go and do, which is just not their game. And how wide open he was was my problem. I was like, he's he had nearly half the box to himself. We would just got sucked out to the the side that the ball was on, and then he had so long. I mean, fair play, it was a good finish. But if you've got that much time, players that are in the top flight are going to probably more often than not score them. Whether you're a defender or a striker, it doesn't matter. But it was it was just so frustrating. And in general, after that, I thought that. Um, the whole situation with the elbows going in on turning and everything, it had a very similar feeling to that air game where I thought there's going to be a red card coming in five minutes. If this ref does not handle this, like the players were starting to, for both sides, were starting to really get on them. And I just thought I could see this being a similar game in terms of not going to be 4-4, but just there's going to be something happens that the ref's not done, dealt with. And if he had dealt with it, it wouldn't happen. That's just what it felt like at the time. But no, I, I just thought when and the boy that set the goal up is it Dan Mackay? He um, was only Mackay. on the park two minutes. Yeah. And so, so he uh, he set set up Brandon at the back post. But I just felt that he seemed to have, especially going into the second half, he had a lot more room on the ball again, probably because Dick and Millen have been asked to play narrow and not go out and venture out to stop them. It's I've said this a few times about a couple of different goals that we've conceded, but like it's exactly the kind of goal you're gonna concede when you're not playing not it's not probably not even so much a case of like oh you're not playing any recognised centre halves. It's the the chopping and changing and the the unfamiliarity of the players who are in your kind of defensive unit. Especially because it's like the second ball. So the corner comes over it's turned round, and when it comes back in, I think it says a lot about it that, so it's Brandon who's run onto it. I think the next closest player to it is a second Livingston player, and then after that, it's Millen, who nominally should be on the other side of the box completely. 
And it's just it's that thing that if you'd played six games in a row with a, a solid back four and the same goalkeeper, you're much more likely to have people naturally just filling those gaps and, and closing those angles down. And um, yeah, it is. It's a really like it's frustrating on the one hand. I think it's also the chance you take with that. Like I think, you know, if you say to Ian Murray before the game, "Well, you're going to concede two goals a day. How do you reckon they might come about?" Second ball from a set piece would probably be quite high up on uh, on that list. See, I kind of, I must admit, I kind of disagree a little bit with the formation being the issue here, simply because I do with the second goal. I think this entire conversation we've just had for me describes the second goal perfectly. But for the first goal, it's the second phase at a corner. So positions are effectively null and void anyway because you're you're defending a set piece. So without going too kind of, uh, I know everything about tactics nonsense because I don't, they're defending zonally. So they've all got an area of the box in which they, they pick up. And then there's a handful of boys who have somebody to pick up. So they're man-marking a couple. And for me, what happens is the ball breaks out. And if you actually watch it, there's like five Rovers players on our right, their left, the ball, the side that the ball comes from. There's like five of them all go towards the ball. And their right back, who eventually scores the goal, is actually on the near post. And if you watch him, he just filters back out to naturally to his side, to the back post. Nobody follows him because we've got like five boys all charging the ball. And so when the ball comes back across, there's not a soul near him and he's got time to take it down, take a touch and then hit a shot. And with the best one in the world, he could hit that shot another five times and it might go in twice because he's just, it's one of them and it's its a good effort from him. You're just cannoning it through bodies, hoping that it takes the right deflection and it does, it hits somebody's back and, and hits the side net. But it could have equally hit a head and gone over or hit a face and come back out or, or whatever, or hit a hand and got a penalty. It's one of them where you're just kind of playing the law of averages a little bit. But for me, it's that discipline thing. It, it felt, the first goal especially, the second goal I felt was 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 poor, really poor. The first one was sloppy. It was like, we're just, the ball's there, we're all just going to run at it. And I thought there's there's got to be some, and that's probably where you recognise defenders. It's not so much about positionally. It's just about marshalling that defence. Or maybe it's Kev that needs to do it. I don't know, but it didn't. It kind of felt like a, a, a you know, like a rudderless kind of boat at that point. There was nobody directing things um, in that box, and that's probably what Murray would do. I would think um, in that that sort of defensive option. But it was just so frustrating because it's so so avoidable. Somebody just has to follow the man. If you follow the man, the ball comes out. It wasn't a particularly good ball wasn't a particularly direct ball. It was kind of floated in. Somebody goes and headers it. But nobody headers it because there's nobody near it. I think I think that goal, I, I've seen my under-17s lose goals like that. And you're frustrated at them at 17, 16, 17-year-old 17 yeah. losing a goal like that because they followed the ball and then followed the man. So it, it was, I think, the, around me, there was a lot of people slagging off Smith because essentially that's where Smith should be in that position. Don't see it as being Smith. No. If you say that the guys, the guys moved away. Two of them have moved away through whoever was marking them, being smart, mm -hmm. and we've now just cottoned on to it. Yep. And probably Millen, to be fair, is the one that I would portion a little bit of blame, not because he should win the ball, but for me, he's probably the only one in that position that can see it. 
Like, why is he not? And I, 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 I'm not a professional footballer, so I'm sure Ross Millen would tell me I'm full of absolute crap. But at this point, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it and going, why is Millen no going? Why is there no somebody out here? Like, and Millen's good at shouting. Like, get somebody out, get somebody following him. But it's just like this, like, run towards the ball moment. And it's, yeah, really frustrated at that first goal because it just epitomised everything that's been wrong with us this season. Just do the basics well and these things didn't happen. I think it's 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 a culmination of you're missing your your sort of your leaders in that back line, yes. and it's it's the disruption in that, and it is the particularly when it's the second phase, you can it's the case of am I still defending this set piece or am I trying to break away? And if I'm Callum Smith, I'm having to remember when am I actually playing the day again? I'm left wing back, so I'm matching up to their wing back. Although actually they're not playing wing backs anymore because they made that change happen. There's like a lot of that kind of going on. Yeah. And it's it's absolutely. I mean, literally, I think there's there's very few goals that are completely preventable. That one's probably very preventable on a few different fronts, and it's a little bit of a a kind of perfect storm of um, everything yeah, or bad. Ah, it's, it's like eight different guys <laughs> all making a bit of a mistake as opposed yeah. to. You know, it's not like the keeper's chucked one in or something. It's the fact that totally. everybody's a little bit off it. And, um, and I mean, it's a, it's a very good finish, um, especially for, you know, it's your, your right back coming through. And as you see, he's just putting his foot through it, but it takes a little bit of, bit of technique to, uh, to kind of get behind that. So that, um, you see, that kind of takes us up to a little bit, kind of 10 minutes to half time. And it does, again, I think <laughs> a combination of, kind of Livingston's natural style and the, the referee's <laughs> particular approach style. really <laughs> kind of stopped yeah. aye, really stopped a game of football from breaking out at any point. It was just... <laughs> well, from the goal to half-time on the ticker that I use, it's just got foul, foul, corner, foul, foul, foul. Yep. And it's like, you just stop for everything after the Livingston goal. And how many big like, balls um, was there? Aye. Aye, it was. It was like it's a knockout at times, just bodies crashing together. But again, it's that thing of there's no, there's no like management of the game from the referee. Yeah. And I think the, the Turner one, is is possibly the best example of it because, what happens there is Kyle Turner goes up for a ball, and he gets not even clattered, but the boy jumps into him rather than competing for the ball. And Turner is fouled. It's it's like it's not the most egregious foul you ever seen in your life. But Turner's fouled, and he goes down. And then as he gets up, the ball is still up in the or the next phase of play, the ball is up in the air, and it's up against is it Shinny? Um, mm -hmm. I think who's under it. So he goes to do exactly the same thing because he thinks, well, apparently this is fine. And but the thing is, Shinny knows he's coming, and it's very very sleek. It with Shinny because he knows exactly what's going to happen and he just turns side on and his elbows out and uh, I think that's a red card uh, I, I just think it's dangerous I, wasn't, I must admit I wasn't so sure I, I thought I thought yellow I thought if you watch it back he's it is it's it's one of the things that all footballers do you lead with your arms but for me his eyes are on the ball the whole time he's gone in to make contact but it didn't feel like a, a deliberate punch in the face as much. And I know I'm very much in the minority on that because everybody was screaming. I was screaming for a red card too because that's what you do. Um, 
but having watched the replay back, I'm I'm kind of more lined on yellow. But I actually I thought there was premeditation in it. I thought he knew exactly what he was doing, and I think Possibly. the reason he doesn't get the referee doesn't even give a foul is because all of the momentum is coming from Turner. It's Turner running in. I see that's Shinny for me knows he's coming and he's he's got his pointy elbows out. But I thought that was just the that was the worst of the lot. But there was there was a lot in it. Um, in the same kind of period, um, Guthrie goes off, gets clattered by um, Jack Hamilton. Now at the time, I, I was I was um, in agreement with the referee, and as much as I didn't think there was much in it, but actually I thought it had been kind of shoulder to shoulder, and it's a similar one where Guthrie's kind of under it, and Hamilton kind of comes steaming in. I know. Um, Ian had a kind of a, a different angle. He was further down the stand than I was, and he thought there was a wee bit in that, actually. And obviously, I mean, Guthrie's absolutely taken out the game by it, so there definitely was more to it. But again, it's that thing of, I think the referee can shut that down That's relatively it. early on by actually just setting some parameters for what constitutes a foul. Because as you say, Scott, there's loads and loads of drop balls because guys are getting clapped. Call the first two as fouls, and that doesn't happen. Like it was really a case of both sets of players being like, oh, this this is how we're doing this today, are we? Right, then, <laughs> fine, elbows out, you know. Um, and that, that, that kind of then takes us into half-time. Uh, Carol- I was going to say, Duncan, sorry, yeah. just see before we go too much further into the game. See, when you watch games week in, week out, you get that old cliche of, how has there been five bookings in this game? This game didn't feel like a game of five bookings. You know, like the referee's just a bit card happy. There were three bookings in that game yesterday, and the first one came in the 76th minute for Callum Smith tugging a shirt. Yeah. Like, it was... And, and I'm talking both ways. Like, we should have probably had a couple of bookings. They certainly should have had a couple of bookings. But for me, the referee completely lost the run of the game. He lost Absolutely his wallet lost is what he game. lost. I yeah. swear he hadn't found his cards until the 70th minute. I thought it was a really poor first half from the referee. And as you say about that, you know, setting the parameters or whatever, it's actually setting standards about what's acceptable and what's not. And that's his job. And you could actually see the one for me was Devlin. The first time he did it, he kind of just pushed a little bit. The second time he did it, he pushed a bit harder. Third time, and you could see him going, I'm just going to see what I can get away with here. And it got progressively worse. And the referee did absolutely nothing about it. I thought it was awful from the referee in the first half. Yeah, and I mean, well, I don't want to get too um, kind of up on my high horse about it, but like, boys getting hurt out there. Yeah. Like the Livingston, I mean, they had to take off what, two or three guys, and then I mean, they finished the game with a guy who like, I am <laughs> far from a doctor, but that boy's oh, in baller. Like, yeah, um, that was awful. And I think that's where there's. I mean, listen, there's multiple people who've got a duty of care, but I think that's the kind of thing that a referee can shut down. Like, no, listen, it's a game of football. There's going to be injuries, there's going to be head knocks, but there was no need for there to be as many as there was in that game. And I think partly that's the way that Livingston like it, but partly it's just, as I think the referee can shut that down and actually, like, I don't know, you can, there's, there's fair ways to compete for high balls and there's just chucking yourself about and people get hurt. But that, as I mean, it was Livingston who came off on the the, the worst side of that. So it's not, I don't think um, that necessarily would have benefited us any if he was no. um, more on top of that. But I think you'd have a couple of guys with 
slightly um, less sore heads this morning. Um, so I say that that kind of took us into half time, and um, I mean at that point I still felt fairly fairly positive. I thought on the balance we'd still you know we'd created chances, um, good chances in that first half. Livingston didn't really, you know, they got the penalty out of nowhere, and we got away with one because he missed it, and then they got the goal. But really, that was all they they'd managed to create. It felt to me still like. The Rovers had been the the better side, and as we go into the start of the second half, again still creating chances. Something that we've not really done an awful lot recently in the games where we've not had results. I mean, um, relatively soon after half time, Aidan Connolly goes clean through. It's a little bit of a kind of loose ball that kind of springs through to him. I think almost takes him by surprise. Um, but Carol, as that ball lands at Aidan Connolly's feet and he takes a touch to the edge of the box, what do you reckon, percentage-wise, you thought he was going to stick that away? Oh, above the 90s, yeah, definitely. But I think that just that shot kind of summed up where the afternoon was going to go. It, we were just not quite finishing. Things weren't just coming off. And going back to the ref, because the ref hadn't taken control from the start of the second half, you're like, this is just going to get rough and dirty and our guys are fit but like Aidan Colony he's not big and he looked small on the pitch yesterday because those big yellow muckle buggers were taking him out and that was yeah and the ref just didn't control it I, I've got, I could rant for hours about that ref yesterday it was rot, <laughs> rank rotten absolutely anyway what's the bad word Graham how about you when Connolly puts that kind of high wide and handsome you start to get a feeling at that point that it might not be our afternoon. Yeah, that's. I think there was there was that one. There was the Callum Smith header just from a cor- was it a corner? I think just before yeah, half just time. Before half-time. I think just before that, um, Devlin had had a handball as well, which looked from where we were. It looked a blatant handball in the box, and you were just starting to think, "Well, oh, well, wait a minute, have we had our luck with a penalty?" And then that's that's it. But the, the, I thought the Smith one at the corner was a, was that a free the header. Wee, the wee was a really, really good sideways one as well for Vaughn. Yeah, the one that Vaughn side uh, passed to Connolly, but the pass was off. Yeah, there, like, there was a, actually that that was a theme. I felt Blair. There was hmm. there was a lot of I'm not taking responsibility. Yeah. Or whether it was not taking responsibility, or it was I'm going to pass it and make sure. Because I think there was one from Connolly after that chance as well. Yeah. Where he should have hit it, but he tried to square it again. And it just seemed to be just, I think I, I saw something, and I think it was after the Arsenal-Liverpool game, I think when hardly anybody scored, um, and it was, it was on about, when Arsenal wore that stupid white shirt, maybe it wasn't a Liverpool they played, um, and they were talking about strikers. Strikers in the box score more often when it's one touch and bang. Yeah, the more touches they take in the box, the less chance they've got scoring. And it almost looked like we were trying to walk it in, whereas what we should have done is touch, hit it. And see where it goes. See what happens. Yeah, the Vaughn one, the Vaughn one's just before they score. Actually, in the yeah. first half, um, it's almost immediately before they score, and he's on his left foot to hit it in stride. He's on his left foot, and he, he squares it, and he just puts too much on it, and it's like that's very unlike Vaughny, to be fair. What to um, square it or to square it badly? I both. mean, both really. Both. Well, I mean, I assume he, would, money he wouldn't. I would assume he wouldn't square it badly had he ever tried to do it before. Um, I'd, have, I'd, I'd have put money on him shooting. I could not yeah. believe 
I couldn't have, squaring it was the right option. I couldn't believe he did it. And I couldn't <laughs> believe how badly he did it. It was like, ah. Oh. I think the the Connolly one, which is, is later on, um, I think is possibly actually even worse because he's closer into the goal. Now, it's a tighter yeah. angle, but he's on his left foot. But he's square, there's not really anybody there to square it to. He, he kind of just knocks it into them. And it's like, again, it's not like Aidan Connolly. Like, I... I I thought like Aidan Connolly sometimes he flits in and out of games, but one thing you can normally rely on him is that kind of he's he's clinical. He finishes incredibly yeah. well for a for a wide player as much as anything. And it was like, yeah, the he didn't do his Aidan Connolly bits particularly well yesterday. He did all his defensive stuff and, and you know worked that line really well. But um yeah, I mean, too, we might as well just bundle them together now because we've got like, a lot of these chances for the Rovers. Like, um, basically, you've got those two where Connolly and Vaughn kind of square for each other that they don't get to. As you say, there's Smith's header. Um, I didn't get a good look at that penalty shot, but it was one of these ones where it's definitely down to the angles. Cause it was like everyone to the left of me in the stand wrote, like came up as one to claim for that. Um, you've then got... Uh, Liam Dick running through an excellent run. What, by, by the way, I was almost on the pitch there. And I think on right a one, yeah. And I was, when he was racing through there, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And it's one of these as well that when he gets to it, you're thinking, like, yes, shoot, like, yeah. go for that. Like, uh, last season, there was a, f a couple with uh, Tom Lang decided to shoot from at 30 yeah. yards, and it was never on. It was never one when anybody yeah. was wanting them to do it. But it was he, typical yeah. defender, though. It's that thing of you, you, he played the pass, and I think as he played the pass out wide, I think it was to Callum Smith, he plays it out wide to him, or it might have been Easton, actually. He plays it out wide to him, and then he's like, oh, he's not got an option. I'm his option. So he makes the run, and it ends up being a 1-2. And then it's the kind of, I take a touch. Take a touch. No one's coming to <laughs> shut me down. And then as they start to come to him, he thinks, well, I'm too narrow to cross it. <laughs> so he just puts his laces through it. But what an effort. That's a, it's, a, it's a really, really good hit um, and forces a good save. Yeah. And then the other, so the other big kind of well, chance, I suppose, um, is, is I mean, it's around about this point where we've got to as we're talking through just kind of chronologically. There's a free kick kind of 30, 35 yards out, starts off. And when he plays it, I think it's Mullen who takes it and he, he knocks it in short to Vaughn as gets back to goal. Like my immediate thought was like, what the bloody hell have you done that for? <laughs> like they're all lined up at the, like you can just clip that over. And then uh, obviously, because I'm stupid, I've got no idea what I'm looking at. They know exactly what they're doing. Vaughn turns one man, skips away from the other, great quick feet. And then the defender just wipes him out because he's got no other option. Um, Scott, I'll come to you on this. In the ground at the time, and again, I was like 80 yards away. I was adamant that was inside the box. I, I, I thought he was, uh, by the time he hit the deck, I thought he was about the penalty spot. Um, so <laughs> I take it, it looked pretty clear to you that it was outside the box, as you saw that on the uh, on the stream. Well, it was quite funny because I was waiting on all of you going, how is that not a penalty for the ones that were at the game? But then I thought, Carol will back me up here because we're both watching on Rave TV going, it's actually, sadly just before the line, before you enter. I mean, he falls into the box, but it's, it, if it had been 
half a second, not even half a second later, it was a penalty. It was that close to. It was a midges ball there close, but it was and definitely actually, outside. And it was hopeless <laughs> because Vaughn ended up just absolutely blazing it over when you're just going, just hit it hard and low. The keepers then got to get down so quickly, but he's ended up trying to stick it in the top corner. But no, I, I, I completely thought it, it, it wasn't a penalty, but I was getting it up for all my mates that were going, how is that not a penalty? I could see it for you. I was like, it wasn't a penalty. <laughs> I mean, what I was more surprised at was the fact that, because uh, that was before Smith's booking, I think, and I'm going, yeah. how's that not the first booking of the game? And if... And I even got a message from my dad going, could that have been a red question mark? I was like, nah, there's a guy covering, like, otherwise, if it, then it could have been. But, uh, nah, I just couldn't believe, again, how a card wasn't shown at that point. It's it. And it's, I mean, at that point, it's interesting, like, you know, when the, the Connolly shot and he puts it over and you think, maybe this isn't our afternoon. Actually, we kind of kept going by that point. And at that stage, I was, my optimism was coming back again. Actually, you know, we're we're kind of turning the screw here. This is, um, you know, they're starting to look out of ideas. But as, as is a recurring theme, I've got no idea what I'm talking about. And at that point, they started kind of coming back a little bit. Because really, I mean, up till that point, I don't think they really had a chance in the second half. Um, there was the one, the one in the box, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody Stephen Kelly kind of, that blazed it over. Uh, Kelly, yeah, kind of volleys it, and it was a pretty poor effort, really high and really wide. Mm. But that was the very first time in the second half where I thought we need to be careful here because that's a free hit in the box. Like, and that was after that. that was after that free kick because it's basically so yeah. there's two kind of back to back. There's what if uh, Kev makes I think possibly his only kind of real save of the game, and it, it's I mean it's it's pretty close and it's pretty tight, but he does well to get kind of two strong wrists behind it goes out for a corner, and then it's um, I, I think a couple of minutes. It's the next highlight in the the Ray TV package. Is that shot as you say when it's Kelly yeah. who he's just leaning back? He should do just goes under a it. lot better with it. But really, that's the that's the kind of two chances that they've got. You then get the point where, uh, as we mentioned before, um, Singari gets that head knock, and Dave Martindale refuses to let his physio on to come and see him, which is pretty scandalous to be fair. And again, not they play at the physio because it just goes on anyway. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, just like that, it's like set aside the game and, and what's happening. That's just really not a nice thing to, to see. No. I mean, there's a point where he goes on, he tries to go on a mazy run at one point and Connolly just dispossesses him. And you think, is, is that because he's struggling or is that because he's pish? It's quite difficult to tell. <laughs> but then two minutes after that, he gets under a ball in the centre circle, and he headed it straight up in there. And as he yeah. kind of comes back, he's holding his head. You're like, yeah. this guy's in real baller. So just, I really did not kind of enjoy... the Aidan Connolly one, it was like, as he approaches Aidan Connolly, he's seen three of them, and he just tried to skip past the wrong one. Do you mean, I mean, Connolly, he literally just runs straight into him, and Connolly just runs away with the ball. It was bizarre. Yeah, really. And it, again, at that point, you think, like, this... Well, then they, they got to make a substitution. And you think, all right, okay, well, that must be a concussion substitute. At least that seems to make a bit of sense. But actually, they're like, no, no, one of the earlier ones was a concussion sub. You don't pick whichever one you want, really. Um, and took off somebody else and just left. Is it Mo Sangari? Is that his first name? Just Thanks. left him kind of lumbering about in 
you know, borderline distress. But then um, the goal does come around. Uh, it's again possibly the kind of the third time that they really managed to actually get forward. And um, uh, Scott, I'm going to subject you to this again. Actually, uh, you talk us through this one as well, and it's I think three crosses in the box this time that we really kind of failed to deal with. Um, so, give me your thoughts on on again where this potentially could have been prevented. I mean, by that point, I think we'd taken off Burn as well. I think he came off. Oh, no, no, Burn sorry. Burn came he off immediately good. after the goal. He was immediately after, but... Taken off Hamilton, no? I think, or Hamilton on it? No, we had taken off Turner, Turner. from the Eastern. Turner from yeah. Eastern. Uh, I mean, that was kind of... It was a sub that everybody wanted to make at that point anyway, because it was like, right, the reason that we had Easton on the bench was probably like, he's played a lot of game time but also let's try and freshen it up and get a bit of creativity again but uh, no I thought for the goal I just had it in my head all second half right they've not done a lot and I'm worried actually that they've not done a lot that we're kind of going to be there was a lot of just our play it looked like oh we'll go extra time and we'll deal with it then that's what it kind of looked like late on and then I was just like that's no the way to be doing this because in my head also, I thought they had no subs left to use. And I thought, this is when we need to be using our bench as well, of going, let's go for them. They, they're going to be knackered. This is their first game back. But it was just... And then the, the ball that comes into the box, Dan Mackay's 5'10 at best. Like, I mean, come on. You can't be letting a guy... He's in between two defenders as well. But again, it's just like, how, how are we allowing somebody that's not even that big to be out jumping anybody and just to be in an area where somebody has to be just making sure they've got a grip of him. No, no to pull him down, obviously, but just make sure that if you're, if he's going to win the ball, just make sure that he doesn't get enough of a header away to like the best player that I ever remember playing for us. That was good at that was Steven Anderson and his loan deal. If he wasn't winning the ball, he made sure that the striker wasn't winning the ball. So we've got to get back to getting some sort of defenders that are going to do that because I actually think if you and Murray was on the pitch, the goal might not have happened. But, yeah, it's, I mean, we've lost goals with him on the pitch this season as well, but that was just the way that I, I saw it. Yeah, it's, it's one of these where if you wanted to give it a kind of charitable description, you'd say that Dan Mackay is kind of ghosted between Brown and Dick, but you don't typically see ghosts wearing bright yellow yeah. jerseys like it's it should be should be slightly easier to pick up on and i mean to be fair that the, the third cross the one that actually leads to the goal is the best of the lot um because the first two and actually live i was a little bit more critical than i am now that i've seen the highlights i think they both kind of come over millen's head but really when you're playing a you're playing a back three and you've got wing backs there's two crosses in quick succession that come over Millen's head and they're just landing in clean grass, I suppose. You know, you've not got Connolly back there kind of sweeping up and it gives them the chance to kind of re-deliver. And it's, again, it's just very frustrating. You'd think you would just have... You would hope you would just have the numbers to be able to put a bit more pressure on that. And then again, as you see very very frustrating that it's of all the of all the giants that livingston fielded over the course of the afternoon it's dan mckay who's getting up and headering in 
just uh, really again to to use the kind of buzzword of the the afternoon frustrating um, with that one. Um, I mean, Blair, how did you feel about that? How did you see that? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo everything that's been said. As I said, kind of for the the discussion we had with the first goal, it, it was it was just the same again. It was a ball over the top. Um, could Millen have dealt with it? Possibly. Do you mean he just has to get a touch on it? But the bit that really frustrated me more than anything is so Millen and Connolly both go out to the ball, and there's two of them out there, and Millen points to the guy to to Connolly and says like, "Pick him up." And then goes to pick him up himself and leaves the ball. So then Connolly has to very quickly change direction and shut the ball down, by which point the cross comes in. I'm like, you you, you got the ball. Like, I get that there's a man there, but, but you've got to at least shut the ball down. Do you know what I mean, if you've already pointed to your, to your winger and said, that's where I want you to be, then that's where you want him to be. That's not where you're meant to go. Um, and it's that. Indecisiveness, I think, is the the best way I can put it. It was very similar to that corner. It's the indecisiveness about what we're doing. It's the lack of, I wouldn't even say lack of plan, because that feels unfair on on the management. I, I feel like yesterday was, and this is maybe going to sound quite harsh, but it was solely on the players. I feel like Murray set them up in a way that they could do what they needed to do. And it's individual, not big mistakes, not huge, you know, we're, we're not chucking, the, like you said earlier, we're not chucking the ball in the net, but just individual pieces of indecisiveness or or not kind of following through in the job that they're supposed to be doing. Um, and it just leaves us open to um, daft opportunities. But by the same token, when that ball comes in, as Scott says, there's two defenders there and a goalkeeper and the shortest out of three. I mean, it's like we, we slagged off Morton when Aidan Connolly scores that header. Do you know what I mean? Take your take your medicine because it's exactly the same thing. Like we didn't stop the cross, and then when the ball comes in, the shortest out of the three that are there wins the ball. And that's not. I don't think it's because he wants it more. I think it's just a lack of I don't know, lack of thought, a lack of impetus. I don't know. I don't know what the right term is, but yeah, frustration is definitely the the key thing because it's like I said earlier, it's so avoidable. Like I, I'm thinking back over this season and. The amount of times that we've conceded a goal where I go, by the way, that was a good goal. Few and far between. I mean, you've got the the <laughs> the thunder bastard from Harry uh, <laughs> Adamson. Um, it's clearly one. Like you've you've just got to take your medicine with that one. And then you've got um, what's his face for air? Um, Chalmers. 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 Thank you. I can't think of his name. Chalmers goal for air takes it down great, brings it on, scores a really good goal. But every other goal we seem to concede, you go set piece or you know somebody just no picking up. We're not conceding good goals. We're not being carved open by teams, but we just feel soft, like really soft. Um, that has to be about consistency at the back. But how do you fix that when you kind of get consistency at the back? Yeah, well, we've had that's... cracks in the back all season, and we've papered over them, and we just can't do that anymore. We need something yeah. solid. Because I think that's what the game highlighted yesterday for me was that just those gaps became wide open. Those gaps, like you could see that we're missing something at the back. We could see that we're missing a Sam, Stan, Sam Stanton-sized hole somewhere on it. Yeah. But we can't keep saying we need Sam Stanton back because it's just one man and we, we need something solid. And we've just been papering over the cracks. And Look luckily, at... 
the start of the season scoring goals, but when the goals dry up, the cracks are still there and we're not progressing. Look at Dundee United as well. They've conceded, what, eight goals all season in the league? That, I mean, managers will probably tell you, your, your team's built from the back forward usually in terms of your solidity. And I think, is it not the saying that strikers will win you games and defence will win you championships? I think the fact that we have shown that basically all season we're just going to outscore you, which, again, brilliant when it works. And it worked for four months, a good four months, and it was it was brilliant to watch. But I think when now teams are almost, not, not necessarily finding us out, but just I think teams are going now going, look, if we can get balls into their box whilst they've still not got proper centre-backs on the pitch, we're probably going to get at least one goal out of them for that. And then let's try and see if we can get someone else out of them. But, I mean, we've also conceded a lot of penalties, I think, this year. Yeah. I think the thing, you're absolutely right about that Dundee United side and their defence, but I mean, a huge factor in that is, like, I can tell you Dundee United's defence. Yeah. That they've played in 90% of their league games. Jack Walton plays in goal. Scott McMahon plays left back. Kevin Holt and Declan Gallagher play in the, in the middle. And then um, Grimshaw plays right back. I can't do that for the Rovers. And I've, I've seen now on every minute that they've played. But it's really difficult to actually say, right, on average, who's played the most time with other players? Because they're all over the place all the time. And, and that's enforced in large part. You've got the manager sometimes changing from a three to a four, etc. But it's typically it's enforced. I'm sure he would much rather be playing the same. The same I was going to say even the three to the four thing is enforced. He's he's never tactically done it. Do you know I mean he's also yeah, been a reaction played, to? Yeah, if he played a back four yesterday, he he still doesn't have a back four really. Yeah, do you know what I mean yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a proper back four? That's it, and it's the other thing is, and I know there's there is a tendency amongst football supporters of any club that when players are out injured or they're unavailable, they kind of get better over time. Yeah, Joe Cole um, syndrome. Yeah. Uh, Lee Bryce fever. Lee Bryce, um, I was going to say. <laughs> Johnny Core. <laughs> um, but Keith Watson, I think, is is his... The, the longer you go without him, and then you look at the early part of the season when we were winning games that, uh, sort of narrowly, and you, you look at the... Um, I was listening to the Terrace again. They were talking about going through teams in League Two, and someone was talking about a defender as a war horse, as opposed to a, a meathead. And I thought that I think is probably that's kind of how I feel about Keith Watson. If you and Murray's a a meathead, Keith Watson's a war horse, and that is really what we're missing. That's what we really don't have. Um, otherwise. And I think that's where, yeah, exactly. As you said with Stephen Anderson, he's another one. You don't concede the kind of goals we conceded yesterday with somebody like that. But we've got somebody like that. He's injured. There's not a huge amount that, that Ian Murray can do about that. But to your point, Blair, about maybe more of yesterday being on the players and the manager, which I do agree with over the piece, I want to talk Murray ball again. And uh, I think possibly the most damning indictment on yesterday is that the Wraith TV highlights package ends with Livingston's goal. Yeah. So they go 2-1 up with ten, yep. well, 8 minutes plus injury time to play. Creating none. Yep. Didn't do anything after that point. So the, the immediate reaction to that, 
that the, the manager has, and this is where I'm going to offer, you know, kind of criticism if I'm allowed to do so, um, from this particular vantage point of having no experience or knowledge. He takes Sean Byrne off for Jamie Gullen. We never touched the ball again in any yeah. meaningful way. We, the, the, it looked like the most meaningful kind of route to, not route to goal, route to the final third was Dylan Easton coming back to pick up the ball in left at the left back position and then somehow try to just carry it 60 yards through a solid Livingston side. It just never came off. And then you just, again, we've seen it before, um, kind of all too often recently. And again, I know it brought us a whole load of points early in the season. But you've got an extra attacker on in Jamie Gullen. He's, he's, and this is not a personal criticism of him, it applies to all of them, but he's just stepping on the toes of the other attackers who are already there. You've got him and Vonnie going to the same place. You, you, they're not... They're not giving you an extra angle. And to go back to something that I said last week or the week before, Ian Murray, when he sets up his team on a Friday afternoon and he's thinking about how are we going to win this game, Sean Burns in it. He thinks the best way to win a game of football is with Sean Burns in my midfield because he's one of the better midfield, one of the best midfielders in the league. But as soon as the chips are down, it's like, no, no, actually the best way to win this is just six strikers. I don't like it. I'm not. I'm, I think that's fine with the six strikers if you actually train the six strikers. Yeah. Because I think part of the problem is when we put all these guys up front, they, like when you change from a back four to a back three, you, you practice it. Yeah. You play one up front, you practice it. You play two up front, you practice it. It looks as though that there needs to be, if we're going to go Murray ball and we're going to go all these bodies up front, there needs to be some sort of information relayed of what we want you to do. Because as you say, Duncan, it just looks like two guys are going to the same position. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't so feel needed. Yeah. I, I think there are times this season where he's gone Murray ball because we're not creating opportunities and we're not, you know what I mean? So you go, he's changing it because we need to change this because mm-hmm. as it stands, we're not going to win this game. We're not going to score again. Yeah. Didn't it feel like that yesterday? Like they scored very much against the run of play, I felt. Um, they were coming into it a bit more. They were starting to kind of get a bit more joy um, into the back. In our defence, fair enough, but I didn't feel it needed the massive change. I get what he wants. He wants Scott Brown further forward, right? I I completely understand that. But take Josh Mullen off and put mm-hmm. Dylan Cor on, and put Scott Brown further forward. Going two at the back, as you say, just left us completely vulnerable. And it's that thing of I, I spoke about patience through the week, but almost like trust your trust yourself. Like, I think that's maybe more what it is. It's not about patience. It's like, you've set this team up to do something. Trust yourself. Like, you've you've set them up and it's worked for 90 minutes or 84 minutes or whatever. I mean, by that point, it was like 107 <laughs> minutes with all the stoppages. But it had worked. Do you know what I mean? It had it genuinely worked. We had created umpteen chances. And that's where I mean about it's more on the... Up until that point, I actually I take back what I said. You're right after that point. It's completely on the manager. Because up until that point, it was all on the players. He'd set them up in a way to create chances. They had created chances and they hadn't taken the chances. He can't fix that. He can't. He, all he could do, if he wants Jamie, if he thinks Jamie Gullen's the guy who's going to take that chance, take off somebody and put Jamie uh, Gullen in, the the space that that player would have been to create that chance. So if, if that's what you think, take Vaughn off if you think he's tired or whatever it happens to be. But this idea of just 
another attacker and another attacker and another attacker. We just lose all shape. It turns into, I mean, Graham, you'll see it all the time. It turns into youth football. It just turns into, you know, you play those teams and I see it a lot more so in school football because the standards are a lot lower. But you see these teams where there's just no plan. It's like watching Burns in a park chasing a ball and it, it just starts to break down a little bit. Um, and I get he had to kind of chase the game. Six minutes to go, Scotch Cup. You're, you're going out at this point. You might as well chuck something in. But you'd already played with three at the back. Why do we need to go to two? I don't get it. That's The thing for me is if you're Livingston and you've got to defend that, <laughs> I think it's making your job easier. Because, yeah. especially because it's Livingston, right? And we've had a dig at their style of play and stuff. Because they're a gang. But... What they are is organised, disciplined. Like, that's what David Martindale gives you before anything else. You know what you're going to get with Livingston. You're going to get big hammer throwers who know their job and will do the basics. They're quite limited. Technically, that's why they're bottom of the league, but they'll work hard. And what they've essentially got is, at the end of that game, is a 10-minute defending drill, essentially. Yep. So you keep your offside line fine. You defend as a four or a five or whatever it is. Now, whether there's three or four or five or six attackers lining up against that back line, there's still only one ball. There's no space behind them, so that's fine. So there's no sense having loads of runners. You're not going to get behind them at that stage. All they've got to do is pick off, is shut down your passes out of your midfield. And we'd taken off most of our midfield. So we only had one angle to come in from. So you've basically just got, you're, you're just facing the ball at any time as a defensive unit. And if you've still got Sean Byrne and Scott Brown and then Dylan Easton's dropping back, you've got the chance of moving them a little bit. You play a couple of passes. If Easton can then beat a man, you can move them and you can get in behind and you might get an extra body in. But it's too top heavy. And it means that you've only got one or two angles to attack from and you can't get the ball to your string of attackers. It's, it's too easy to pick up against. And then what you see, we saw last night, uh, sorry, uh, yesterday afternoon, if they do manage to get a toe on the ball and they launch it up the park, it's a 50-50 every time. And all they need to do is just not let it reach the goalkeeper. If they can get a throw in, they're winning. If they can get down in the corner, they're winning. It becomes too easy. It becomes too too straightforward. You're not working them hard enough. And it's it's frustrating because, again, to go back to something we've said previously, I thought over the course of that 90 minutes or 82 minutes, up until the goal, over the piece, we were better than them. And then we gave it up to try something different. And I think sometimes it's just a case of saying, all right, well, we've been better than them up till now. Football is football. So they've taken the lead. Let's keep doing what we're doing because we're better than them. And listen, we might run out of time, we might not. And it might be get to injury time, you chuck on a striker or whatever. But I don't know. I think, And it's benefit of hindsight. But I, say, I think the fact that we created literally nothing after that point, given everything we created before then, it just points to that not being the right approach. I think it was summed up by the fact that during that spell where we were down to two at the back, Liam Dick was on the right, 
Yeah. And Ross Millen was on the left. I thought so there was, was no actual wild. chance to play a ball down the line. But I don't even think that was deliberate. I think they just got caught on the wrong side. And because the game never actually got a chance to reset itself, they were just there. Or they were both in the corner. Or, mm -hmm. like, it was just madness. I just yeah. wonder, has any manager ever watched a game of football where a team's losing by a goal and thought, why are you not going two at the back? <laughs> why Why have you not chucked six boys forward? Do you know what I mean? Nobody's... I, I just don't see the the logic behind it. Unless, like I say... You've not created any chances all game, and they're really vulnerable in the box, in which case, you know, that old thing, and the Rovers have done it for years, you chuck Sean Dennis up front, or Mark Campbell goes up front, or Benny went up front, because we're just going to bombard you now, we're just going to chuck the ball in the box, and we're going to play the game of averages, and we're going to see what happens. But we stopped even doing that. Jack Hamilton was great yesterday. He was absolutely brilliant yesterday. He was great in the air. He was working hard. He was bullying them. He was doing great. And then after they scored the second, I don't even know if he touched the ball. That's it. It's just frustrating. And it, like, yeah. we've said it all along. This is what you get with Ian Money. And yeah. he's still, I said it a him. game or two ago now, that if we keep losing games, he's still got a good few to go. With yeah. his, his credit balance is still... Uh, well in the the positive, but I just just a wee bit frustrating. Um, I think it was uh, Hadge on Twitter put up the um, I think it attributed to Albert Einstein quote about if you keep doing the same thing, um, expecting different results, and it does feel a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen the same thing play out a few times now, and again that's the whole <laughs> underpinning of that like. I just chuck everybody forward. Is that kind of chaotic, unpredictable element of it? Stopped being unpredictable a little while ago. Like, David Martindale categorically knew what was happening. As soon as that goal went in and Ian Murray calls a sub back, David Martindale was like, all right, he's just going to put a striker on for his, his holding midfielder here. And then he knows what his job is and his defenders know what their job is. So, yeah, a little, um, little bit of a, a frustrating aspect there. That is Over the piece... The Rovers played really well, but I kind of gave it away at the end. I was going to say, just really quickly, just to echo, I watched it, I'm presuming most Rovers fans now have, have watched most of it, but that Andrew Barman interview through the week, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think he said a huge amount that was, you know, like stuff that we hadn't heard before or hadn't seen before. He was really open, really honest, um, which I really liked. But to echo what he was saying, I think the... As positive as I can be, the frustration from yesterday comes from how good we are. Like, we've been at Livingston before and lost the game, and you come away and you go, ah, oh, well, like, it was what it was. It was a free hit. We went for it. We had a go. Yesterday didn't feel like that. Like, I talked about it through the week that we were, and the 3 6 1 for me, or 3 5 2, whatever it was, echoed that completely. We went toe to toe with them, and we more than held our own. And to come away with nothing yesterday, I felt, I actually felt for the players and I felt for Ian Murray because I felt like they got so much right during that game. They genuinely deserved better. And to see some of the comments that have been made, and I know it's the it's the usual half a dozen or whatever that are howling at the moon, but the, the some of the comments from the last couple of days or the last 24 hours or so are madness, absolute madness. The idea that we've somehow chucked this season or like, get a grip of yourselves. The, the fact that we're even in the position where we're disappointed 
at going to a Premier League team and coming away with a 2-1 defeat, which was a smash and grab from them, it sh- shows where we are and shows how far we've come. Like, the frustration. He said, enjoy the frustration. I can't quite get there. But I can... <laughs> I can enjoy the fact that I'm frustrated, if that makes sense. Appreciate um, which the I frustration. Think is the point. Appreciate the yeah. frustration. It's Appreciate also probably the, the fact thing. that we have literally all season long been involved in one goal games. Yeah. The whole season. So, yes, we've not won a game by more than that, but also shows that we're in every single game that we're playing. Every game. There's not been one game that we've not turned up and been turned over 4 0, 3 0, like last season. It happened quite a few times. Completely. But, uh, aye. And I mean, we, we also went the opposite side last season and won, I think we beat Cove, was it 6 0 one game? But mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that we do turn somebody over, but I feel like I've been saying that for weeks now and it, it's, <laughs> is it going to come? But I would just rather go back to the, the one goal wins again that uh, we were kind of getting at the end of the day. But I do, I do feel that at, at the end, I think it was, was it Neil that interviewed Murray? Uh, during the week, I feel yeah. like he, he'd put the foot forward the question of going, is this a time to reset or a time to uh, like, change things up? Well, what we've just been talking about for the last hour is that he didn't really change a lot up and he actually did the same things again. So if he's not going to do it in a cup game, he's not going to do it in a league game because mm-hmm. the league's what's been going well this season. So I just don't see... It. Yesterday was the time to change what you've been doing to see if it works. And he didn't do it. So that just makes me think that we're just going to have to keep going with what he's doing and just hope that maybe we get a little bit better fortune going forward. Yeah, and it's, it's also it's the nature of these kind of narrow games that you look at these three games that we've just lost in a row that we've lost by a single goal. Now, over the piece, balance of play, have we deserved to lose all three of those games? I don't think so. No. But equally... You could go back earlier in the season, you could find three games that we won by a single goal that we probably didn't deserve to win. It's just, it feels more significant when it comes all together. But again, it's it's, it's the way things go. And, and you're right, you said there about a lot of the time you'd go into a game like that feeling like it was a free hit, and it didn't. It felt like it was a real opportunity, and that's why it feels frustrating. But it's um, something like Wesley said um, last week about the team it does feel like the results haven't been coming but they have been playing better over oh, like yeah. each game has actually the performance has been better than the last and I think that's true I think that's actually the best we've played in weeks um, certainly the most chances we've created in weeks it's just yeah frustrating that it's come to nothing yesterday but I mean we'll see where it um, where it takes us on uh, let's just uh, just a final point on this game Another quick round of um Man of the match because I think there's a few kind of potential um, contenders for this. And uh, Carol, start with you, please. Oh, I'm going to annoy Graham and take Dick. I thought Dick had a great game. I really did think he had one of his best games. And Graham's firing me from five loose. Um, shot. It probably, to be fair, it probably holds a bit more water the fact that it didn't come from Graham first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I I mean, we've been complaining and moaning about the defence and they didn't really have much help from the formation. But no, I th- I'm going to go Dick, my man of the match. Yeah, I thought he played very well. I mean, again, not not made a secret of the fact that I think that's his best position. He's kind of on the, the left of a three with someone kind of further outside him. Um, Graham, presumably you will be on the same page. 
Oh, I would have been, yeah. But if, if that goal had gone in and my bet had come up, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I thought Jack Hamilton was the best I've seen Jack Hamilton play. I thought he was excellent. I thought he bullied the three giants at the back. Um, so I thought he played really well and I, I, I would have given him man of the match just in front of Leon Dick. All right. Uh, Scott, how about you? Yeah, I'm also Jack Hamlin. It's it, As Graham says, it's just... It's the it's the most headers that he's won that have been meaningful in terms yeah. of actually going to one of our players because sometimes he's been jumping for just jumping sake and he's either missed the ball completely or he's won the ball and it's just went straight to them or... Like the the energy game, anytime he won a, a header, it just went straight to one of their guys. Whereas the point of him going up is somebody needs to be feeding off of what he's trying to give you. But yesterday, and I mean his goal yesterday was just brilliant in terms of his touch. I mean, I still think the goal is probably wanting to do it a bit better. But it's if you don't shoot, you don't score. So it's I think uh, just his general play I thought was a lot better. But I, I wouldn't disagree. I thought that uh, Liam Dick. That's probably the Best game he's played for a while, but it's also a lot. It was needed because there was a lot of people were starting to really say he is the weak point for us right now. So the fact that he played a lot better, I think, might put a little bit more at ease with the fan base in general. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Blair, what about you, man of the match? Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. I'd actually echo all of it. I think um, Dick was it is probably the best game he's had this season. I thought he was really good, but Jack Hamilton for me. Um, I just want every week now somebody to sit down with Jack Hamilton and convince him that the opposition have effectively told him he's not good enough to play in the Premier League. Because effectively that's what yesterday was, right? He came through at Livingston, he's played for them for a long time. They've just loaned him out, loaned him out, loaned him out, and they've effectively said, do you know what, somebody didn't think you're good enough for the Premier League? And it was like, I've used that analogy of rattle in the Tiger cage. He was, he was snarling yesterday, like he was up for it big time. And if we can get that Jack Hamilton week in, week out in the championship, he will destroy the, he will destroy defences. He will absolutely score us goals. Um so yeah, I think we just need to find an angle every week. Their manager thinks you're immense. Like go on and show him. I think you could see that in his celebration. It was very totally. much the uh the polar opposite of the whole like oh I'm, I'm sorry I've, I've scored against my yeah. my former side. Which right enough actually he did against our bro, so he's got a yeah. A track I raised at the time. He's not uh, on board with it. I'm glad to see that he's changed his ways. Ah, he was he was delighted with that, and rightly so. And I think I think over the balance, um, I'd probably go for Jack Hamilton too. But I will just give notable mentions. Um, I thought Vonnie was excellent. Uh, we well, obviously said there was a couple of points where maybe decision making wasn't quite. I really just one for him, but where he, his other option was taking it on his on his left foot. But the um, some excellent. Kind of link up play as much as anything as you say. Scott Hamilton's winning those headers nine times out of ten. It's it's Vaughn who's picking it up, and the um, the the little bit of skill as he takes that free kick into feet turns away. I mean, it it deserved a goal, and if not that, it deserved a penalty. So I'm I'm uh, slightly disappointed that you only got a, a free kick from that. Um, and also uh, Callum Smith as well. I thought yeah. had a very good game um, in that kind of unfamiliar. You know, left wing back, that's a big, big ask um, for a player like him. And Aidan Connolly on the other side, but I thought Smith in particular um, had a very good game. As you say, that bit where he uh, <laughs> went down and, and picked the ball off the boy at the corner could have could have been a real highlight um, yeah. had he not <laughs> just knocked it to, to Kyle Turner. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we've 
we've done a fair bit of kind of mumping and moaning over this one. <laughs> and for, for reasons we've already explained, but it is worth bearing in mind that actually we were away to a team from the division above um, and played really well over the piece. Best we've played in weeks. And uh, yeah, I think on another day, we could have ended up actually winning that relatively comfortably. Um, so slightly, um, I think, disappointed all round. But again, it was either Ian Murray or uh, Andrew Barrowman had said it, but it's like, in fact, it might have even been Lewis Vaughan who's saying that like that disappointment is kind of across the board, almost like everybody's dis, and it feels like that to me. It's not like yeah. you get times where it probably goes beyond disappointment. You get sometimes you watch a football team and you get annoyed at the players, you get annoyed at the manager because the decision making and all that or like effort isn't there. It's not like that. It still feels to me like everybody's on the same page. And it's, yeah, it's disappointment that we've not won that game. It feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, I do find it quite funny. You see some of the comments that get made about like our fragility at the back, but it's like folks saying it like Ian Murray's not aware that we're fragile at the back. Like he's not an idiot. He gets it. If he could fix it with the players that he has available to him, I'm sure he would. I don't think he goes into training and goes, right, boys, we're crap at the back. So what we're going to do is just don't worry about that. We're just going to attack, attack, attack and see what happens. Like, they are clearly, you know what I mean, unable to field the same back three, back four, whatever you want to do for, for weeks on end. And it plays its part in it. And he's fully aware of where we're at. Like, that's the bit that gives me hope. You you used to listen to interviews with John McGlynn, who I, I still love, but I feel like I slag him off every time I talk about him now, but he is a Falkirk manager, so fair enough. But you used to watch his interviews and you'd go, what game were you watching? What what are you talking about? Like, you are talking utter nonsense. But I, I feel like every time Murray comes out and speaks, I go, yeah, I I actually, he gets it. I, I agree. He knows where the fragility is um, and he knows what he needs to do. It's just a matter of time now, whether he's going to get the backing from the board and the or whether the players are available that he wants to to make that happen, and whether the injuries settle down. But um, yeah, so, and um, just to to kind of round us off um, today, I think we'll well, it was more of a more of a discussion than a, a question for each of you. But it was a, a question that was sent in by um, Bob Deppledge, who's a friend um, of the show. A friend of the show. I was going to say a long time listener. We've <laughs> been going about three months. Uh, friend of the show is much better. Um, so you get touched it to kind of ask a question, and I'm stealing it as my, my big question, if you haven't already guessed, um, about the kind of social media output. Uh, so we'll get away from that game just a little bit. Um, so uh, so Bob's question specifically is whether the kind of, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but whether the kind of particular tone of our social media output has kind of put a bit of a target on our backs for um, the kind of social media from other teams. So after uh, we get beat by Livingston yesterday, they <laughs> had a little jibe back, which I enjoyed, to be fair. So Brilliant. the Rovers had said, ahead of kickoff, you know, we've sold nearly twice as many tickets as the home side. And at full time, Livingston said, well, twice as many tickets, half as many goals, which is, a, <laughs> that's a good line. Uh, that's a good line. So, um, we have touched on this, but not not for a good few weeks. Um, so, uh, Blair, I'll start with you. You're the uh, you're the, the social media kingpin amongst us. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. You just got to got to take your medicine on this. Do you think? 
Yep. I don't think it makes the blindest bit of difference. I think there's there's kind of two ways of looking at it. Does it put a target on our back? Yes. But who with? Other fans and other social media accounts. I'm all right with it. Like, if you're going to dish it out, you've got to take it. Um, I thought yesterday was hilarious. I thought that reply from Livingston, it, it, it's genuinely witty. Like, it's not, it's not bitter. It's not, you know, snarly or, you know, kind of really pathetic. It was witty. Like, and then the, it was true. Because it was just three well. lines. Yeah, but it was just three lines. Twice as many tickets, half as many goals into the hat. I'm like, that's just a really good bit of social media. Um, if it makes any difference to the players or the managers, then I think you need to have a look at themselves. To be honest with you, I think if if they're worried about what's happening on social media, then like, yeah, fair enough. If that's what you need to get motivated for a game of football, use it. But no, I don't. I'd be surprised if it has an impact on the the teams or whatever. Um, but I do think there's one or two Rovers fans who maybe need to take the medicine a wee bit better. Um, and actually, I, I, after, I wasn't on the podcast after the Airdrie game, but um, when you talked about Ross Mellon's red card and why he was missing for the, the Queen's Park game, and there was a bit of discussion on the podcast about, you know, that's Ross Mellon and that's what you get from Ross Mellon. I'm not so sure, actually with that one because if he's one if you're going to dish it you've got to take it he is an absolute monster when it comes to to noising up other fans and doing all that kind of stuff for him to lose his head to the way he did at a player laughing at us for laughing at him during the game i'm like he's got to be better than that that was really stupid um so no i'm 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 all right with it bob is the answer long may it continue i enjoy it it's, I, I'm on exactly the same page. I think it's it's just one of these. That I, I I like your point about the the players as well. It's I, I, it's almost like like it's not for you. <laughs> like yeah. you don't need to worry about that. It's it's for it's for jobbers like like me and Blair and the rest of us. Like <laughs> we've got nothing better to do but to be chippy on the internet. You don't need to worry about what um, you know Grace and the guys are putting on the Twitter because it's. It's, I mean, look, fundamentally, if you want to really get into it, it's marketing, actually, is what mm -hmm. it is. It's marketing material. And, uh, you know, up until this point in the season, I think we've been able to be quite kind of magnanimous about it because we've been winning. And you get to look yeah. at everybody else and be like, why are you taking this so seriously? And I, and it's, it's exactly that. It's, now it comes back. I mean, uh, Carol, anything uh, you want to add on the, the whole social media side of things? I think it's bloody fantastic. I think it's what Scottish football's been needing. I mean, I think when previously Rovers had like set quite a good standard for social media and other clubs, it's like, I, I know what my team's score going. I've got another app that does that. Entertain me. That's what I want from my social media. Entertainment. You can't guarantee it on the pitch. So entertain me with some wit on Twitter, some fun photographs on Instagram, and maybe nothing on Facebook, because that's just for boomers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what what so entertain true. me. That's it. That's I, that's exactly it. Uh, Scott, anything for you on the uh, on the subject? I mean, yeah, we've kind of already talked about it. I think it's it's just literally a laugh for for people that uh, but obviously not not the players or anything that need to be involved in. It's just for the fans, and it's it's been brilliant this season, just in general. The social media, whether it's been the full time 
tweets or whether it's been just even the contract videos and pictures and whatever, and even just the little touches with um, all the match day posters and everything this year, it's just been and and nine times out of ten, if not ten out of ten, it's been just a positive thing for the club, and and it's what. Blair was saying it. It's a marketing thing. It's completely just the fact that we are now getting more eyes on the club as well. It's just I just don't see how it's a bad thing. I mean, a guy I kind of know. He's a guy called Chris Samson. He's a digital marketing head of digital marketing at Southampton Football Club, and and he's a, every time we've put out a contract extension, he's just went. The Rovers have just went and knocked out the park again. He's like. The Rovers have set the bar almost for Scottish football this season, which has actually been quite good to watch. But it, it'll be interesting to see if anybody going forward actually takes stuff that we're doing. Uh, and I mean, when it comes to the match they posted in it, is there no a guy from Brazil that's doing it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's mental, but it's fair play to guys like uh, Rory that's taking this forward. That's been kind of his sort of baby that Andrew Barham mm-hmm. keeps going on about. So. And uh, and Carol will be glad that apparently the website will be here soon, so we'll keep going with that. So, uh, but no, I, I think in the whole, it's it's just been a positive this year. I, I I agree with you completely. You know, we said earlier on in the season, like you can do what you like when you're winning. Really, mm-hmm. you can put out anything you want because you're winning. Everybody's happy with it, and that it was all it was inevitably it was going to happen. You put out stuff when you're winning, that when you lose will get thrown back at you. And that's that's the cost of doing business. Like, fine. Um, as you see that, Livingston tweet I thought was genuinely, as you say, Blair, <laughs> funny. That was a good, it's a good line. Yeah. And um, it's not snide. It's not taking an aim, taking aim at anyone in particular. Uh, and I, it's the kind of, it's quite a, quite a kind of milk toast thing to be getting wound up about, really. I think uh, a bit of a hair trigger from a few folk. But uh, listen, that's that's social media for you, isn't it? Um so I think we we were all quite uh, all quite downbeat going at this. Like, oh, do we really have to talk about this? I wonder. This will probably be one of the quicker episodes. And uh, once again we're if it wasn't for all those stoppages, we'd have uh, taken longer to talk about it than the game itself. So um thank you for everybody who has listened through this uh, ninety odd minutes that we're getting up to now. Um, as always, we really appreciate your uh, your ears and your eyes. Um, we will be back later on in the week to look forward to the visit of uh, Cali Thistle next week, which is intriguing um, to say the least. Um, I've got absolutely no uh, no inside knowledge on this uh, whatsoever. But Ian Murray did say that he thought if anything was going to happen in January, it would happen after the twentieth. So. Um, I think all eyes will be on the uh, the Twitter this week to see if anything does happen. It'll be interesting to see if it does. Um, and indeed, if it does, I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point as well. But as I say, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again soon.